You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, Gallipoli, August the 8th, 1915. William Warnes was a Turidan boy. He was a St. John's man. And you'll find his name on the honour board just in uh, the original church. Uh, 24 years old and, by all reports, a quiet sort. He would have worshipped on a Sunday a few short metres away from where we are in the original church. But this Sunday morning, back in 1915, he was making his way in the pre-dawn light further down the hill after an assault on this hill. If we can get the picture. Oh, nod. Hill 971. Emerging from the scrubland, they came out into a, pack, into a paddock only to be sighted by their Turkish enemy who turned their machine guns on them. So William Warnes, uh, together with the others he was with, charged the trench. And they actually took uh, the first trench uh, that was held by the Turks. They held it for an hour until the Turks flanked them and started firing along the trench. Uh, they surrendered and William Warnes was taken uh, captive. Uh, during the fighting, however, he'd been shot. And despite the efforts of uh, the Turkish soldiers to tend to his wounds, he died a few hours later. Uh, Gallipoli is, and all wars are, of course, full of such stories. Uh, stories of soldiers who die in the field of battle, laying down their lives to defend our freedoms. And it's right that we remember them. Uh, remember people who are part of this community who did that. And uh, the ideas, of course, of laying down one's life uh, for one's countrymen is uh, a noble thing. And, of course, it resonates with what Christ has done for us. As our reading from John chapter 10 said, he lays down his life for us. Uh, but it's interesting the ways in which, actually, his action is different. Uh, it's interesting that he doesn't say, I am the good soldier. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And so there are important ways in which Jesus' sacrifice is actually a very different kind of sacrifice than the sacrifice of those we honour today. And so as we look at John chapter 10 this morning, we're going to look at how Jesus is the good shepherd and therefore you are his known and much loved sheep. Now, number two, Jesus lays down his life for you and his death brings ultimate peace. So number one, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus said, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. In the Old Testament, uh, kings and rulers were often called shepherds. Uh, so, of course, the most famous of them being King David. You might remember he was a shepherd before he became king, but then he was known as a king, a shepherd, after God's own heart. And in the Old Testament, lots of leaders who lead, led God's people did it badly. They uh, didn't seek God and instead sought only to enrich themselves. They were referred to as the bad shepherds. They eat the sheep. They fleece the sheep instead of protecting them. 
So now in the context of John, uh, Jesus has been in conflict with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. And so on one level, Jesus is just saying, I'm not like those shepherds that you have right now. They're bad shepherds. They're fleecing you. They're leading you astray. I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to protect. I'm going to bless you. But on another level, he's also giving us a title, a little hint as to Jesus' identity. See, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, and in Isaiah, and in Jeremiah, the great good shepherd is, of course, God. You might remember the very famous Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, So we've got shepherds who are human... uh, human kings and we've got God the great good shepherd and then we come to Ezekiel chapter 34 and it brings those two things together so Ezekiel 34 verse 15 I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will make them lie down says the Lord God I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak God says, I am going to be the good shepherd. But then he says that he will set up this king in the line of David who will be the good shepherd. Verse 23, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And so in this one passage, we've got God himself who's going to be the good shepherd. And we've got this Davidic king who is going to be the good shepherd and you kind of wonder how does that work and then Jesus says I am the good shepherd he brings those two categories together I am the good shepherd I'm the Davidic king I am God himself come to shepherd his people now it's worth pausing here and thinking that if Jesus is the shepherd, then then what am I in this picture? Well, if Jesus is the shepherd, then you're the sheep, aren't you? You're the sheep. Now, why sheep? Because there's a whole lot of other animals that they farmed and looked after in, you know, back in biblical times. He could have chosen donkeys or cows or camels or even goats. But he went for sheep. Why? Well, because they're defenceless, uh, they're dependent, and they need to be led. This is one of the few times in your life where being called a cow would actually be a step up. Uh, you know, goats are kind of like sheep only with an IQ. You, uh, you hear of rugged and wild mountain goats, but you don't hear of too many rugged and wild mountain sheep, do you? And that's because in the wild, it's not long before they get eaten. Sheep need to be kept safe. They need to be guarded and they needed to be tended. Uh, And they're also very dependent. Uh, They need to be led to where the grass is green. This is a picture of uh, a shepherd and sheep actually in Israel and you can see uh, there's not a whole lot of green pasture there. They need to be led. They need to be led to the place where they will have plenty. They need to be led as well because there's no such thing as a resourceful and cunning sheep with inbuilt leadership capabilities. 
uh, if the door is opened, someone has to actually lead them out uh, to find the good grass. Now, why would Jesus use such imagery of you and me? Because, uh, well, it must be that in some senses it's accurate. I mean, you might sit there and think, I am not a sheep, thank you very much. I didn't come here on a Sunday morning to be told I'm a sheep. I am resourceful, I am uh, competent, I'm a leader, I've got resources, I can fend for myself quite well, thank you. I am not a sheep. Well, no, of course you're not a sheep, uh, but I think all of us have at least a little bit of sheepiness in each of us. Uh, because we're always wandering off into paddocks that are dangerous for us before we even know it. A few unwitting clicks online and suddenly you're confronted with images that are terribly unhealthy for us. Or we flip open a magazine and suddenly we're filling our minds with a philosophy of life that centres around body image or, or youth. We begin by admiring the great gifts of another and find somewhere we've taken a turn into self-doubt and loathing. We wander into paddocks that are dangerous for us all the time before we know it. And we're dependent. You know, you, you can't actually take a single breath without the sustaining work and power of God. Uh, we would not have a bite to eat if it was not for the provision of God. I think we've kind of lost this idea a little bit because we think that we go off to work and we earn all the money that provides, and then I go to the shops and buy the food, and so actually I'm providing the food, and we forget that actually the food just grows in the ground. And the earth just gives it. It's from the hand of God. Sure, there's a little bit of work involved as well, uh, but it just, it just grows. At the most basic level, we're dependent on God. Like sheep, we wander. Like sheep, we're utterly dependent. And like sheep, we're also defenceless. We like to think that we actually have life under control, don't we? That uh, we're in a strong position. But I think we know deep down that no matter how much we try to protect ourselves, we can be blindsided by life and things that can, can happen that just sweep our feet from under us. I wonder if you had anticipated the pandemic. I don't think any of us did, did we? We need a shepherd. And the thing that Jesus points to as our greatest similarity, actually, between us and sheep is that the shepherd knows the sheep deeply and personally and cares for them, and sheep, the sheep know him. So verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he knows you personally and as you continue in your relationship with him, as you hear his voice more and more, you get to know him better. And as time goes on, you hear his voice and your heart actually thrills to hear it. Uh, I'm going to show you on the next slide. There's a short video if we click on. This is a shepherd in the highlands of Scotland. And you can't actually hear it, but he's, he's just calling out to them. He's saying, come you, come you, come you, come you. <laughs> I should have got someone else to do that. <laughs> uh, 
and the screen has died at just the wrong time. Here we go. And he's calling out. And can you see the sheep? Here they come down from the hills. And they're so excited. They're barring away. And they come running down to him because they know and love the voice of the shepherd. And they come right up to him and they know that that's where he, they can get plenty and food. It's a beautiful picture. I, I love it. Well, as uh, we have a shepherd who knows you and he provides for you and protects you and cares for you and he calls you. And as you hear his voice, I hope your heart thrills. Uh, As you come to know him, your heart will thrill at the sound of it because you know that in him is the plenty and safety and peace that you actually long for and need. Uh, Now, a shepherd provides for the sheep and tends and guides them, but a good shepherd also protects. He's willing to lay down his life for you. Now, when you think about Jesus as the good shepherd, lots of us are conditioned to picture him kind of like this. Uh, can you see, it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice kind of picture and Jesus is loving and the hues are, are, are kind of soft and beautiful. Uh, but actually, the work of being a shepherd in biblical times was much more like this. It was a dangerous job. You had to be tough and you had to be hard. You love the sheep, yes, so you're willing to put yourself in the path of danger and you had to be strong to be able to protect them. Uh, Well, people, I think, were expecting this Ezekiel 34 good shepherd and they were expecting someone tough and hard like this. It, It may have been that it was more of an Anzac Day kind of expectation that they had, that he would be a king like King David who was a military ruler and leader and that he was going to come and liberate on the battlefield. If he was going to die, if he was going to lay down his life, it would be on the battlefield and result in peace and freedom for Israel, a noble death for a noble cause. But Jesus isn't a soldier, he's a shepherd. And his work is much bigger than anyone expected. His death was not to defend freedoms, it was to bring freedom. It was not to win a war, but to win ultimate peace. He had to put himself in danger's way. Yes, he had to be strong. He had to rule, and he is a mighty commander. But Jesus is killed by soldiers from a foreign power, but it's not on a battlefield. It's on a cross. He lays down his life for us because otherwise we would die as rebels and enemies of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 10. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through his death, the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled will we be saved by his life. So we're actually enemies. He was dying for his enemies. And so in some ways, if we really want to get a picture from Anzac Day or from war of what Christ did, uh, it would be more like this. If, if Private John Simpson had crossed behind enemy lines on his donkey to rescue Turkish soldiers and died protecting them from Australian gunfire, uh, we would have a better parable of Christ's death for us. 
or if an Australian POW, having been appallingly mistreated by a Japanese officer, nevertheless saves him from death at the hands of a fellow prisoner, uh, we'd have a better picture of what Christ actually did for us. Uh, that is in, not in any way to denigrate uh, the sacrifice of those who fought and died for us, but merely to say that Christ's sacrifice is of a different tenor. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. He lays down his life for us because he loves us and knows us. Enemies of God through our sin, though we be. And so he brings peace between us and the God who loves us and is our life. Which is another reason why what Jesus does on the cross is actually radically different to those we rightly honour today. Because Jesus died not just for his country, but for those from every country. You know, if that vision that we saw in Micah of the swords being beaten into plowshares and nations not learning war anymore, if that's to come true, what Jesus did on the cross has to bring a peace that is not just national, but international. Jesus dies for people from every country. Verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So in the Bible, uh, the sheep pen is a picture of Israel. And so if the sheep pen is Israel, then those from another pen will be, well, people from other nations. The nations, won't it? It'll be the Gentiles. And so his death unifies and brings a peace the world has not yet known between us and God, but also between us and each other. And so the nations are brought together under one. We're one flock under one shepherd. We're not Indian or Sudanese or Anglo-Australian or English or Malaysian or Sri Lankan or whatever nation you originally come from. We are one flock, Christian, under one shepherd, Christ. And actually, that's the power that ultimately will bring peace to this world. Because Jesus is our good shepherd. He knows you. He loves you. He's laid down his life for you and he brings peace between us and God and unity between each other. And so can I say, just end now with the words from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. brothers and sisters, one of the things that unites us is the things that we believe. Would you please stand and affirm with me our trust in the great shepherd in the words of the apostle.